Welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. This podcast is hosted by sisters, surviving in this crazy world and just trying to keep a sense of humor along the way. Listen to three witty women who grew up in the same house, share their ideas, inspirations, and experiences. The Sisters of the Apocalypse will share the ups, downs, and everything in between when it comes to life as a millennial woman in today's world. Relatable and enjoyable until the very end. Hi, and welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. This is uh, Jenny, Christine, and Liz here today talking about interviewing, specifically job interviews, going on them, giving them, them, and uh, any advice that we have about what we've experienced. So through, between the three of us in our careers, we've had experience on both ends of the spectrum, both being the person who's getting interviewed for a role and then also doing some interviewing. So we've seen um, a lot of different aspects of interviewing and it's something that we talk about pretty regularly because someone's Mm -hmm. always looking for a new job or, you know, trying to get a promotion at their role. Mm -hmm. I'm the one currently looking. Oh, maybe by the time this posts, I'll be employed. Oh, how fun. We also have the very nice treat that we are once again recording this episode while we're all together in um, Michigan. So this makes it an extra special treat. And we think that our mom is going to start listening to our podcast. So mom, if you're listening, hi. (laughs) (laughs) To kick things off, what are some of your best slashed worst interview stories um mm. uh, i don't know i mean do i just kick it off with my worst one ever i mean <laughs> i could also like, start with my one of the really, worst ones I've... well yeah jenny this was, oh this was a few years ago i think i was looking for like my first job out of college mm-hmm. so i kind of knew what i was doing but maybe not so mm-hmm. i was interviewing i was interested in getting into a government job so I interviewed for a job that was with a city near mm-hmm. Grand Rapids. And I had interviewed for kind of like an administrative assistant. I go to this interview. I'm excited. I'm ready. I look really cute. And they're like, awesome. You're going to be, what is it called? It's when you go to houses and you measure them to see if they're like, oh. their footprint is correct on oh. the taxes. Like a surveyor? A surveyor. Oh and they, they literally were like, no, we want you as a surveyor. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And they're like, that's fine. Do you have a car? And I said, yeah. And they said, great. How are you with aggressive dogs? Because there's going to be a lot of dogs. And they're like, and sometimes people have guns. Oh my Because they don't want to be surveyed. And they're like, so you'll have to like go in their backyard and like water around their house, like to measure it. And I was, I said, oh, that wasn't what I'm interviewing for. That That's not the job. And he kind of looked at me and said, well, that's what we're interviewing for. And so we kind of looked at each other and I said, I think I should leave. Like, oh. I just left. Oh my gosh. And that's crazy. it was just like some, I don't even know if it was a mix. I was going to say. Like, it was not like an automated you know, interview system where they, I mean, it knew my name and it knew my role or whatever oh, I was applying for, wow. but they kind of tried to bully me, bully me into being a surveyor. <laughs> and I said, oh no. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So just the other day I was at a stop sign or stop light and there was a surveyor like to the right of me mm-hmm. and I would, could not stop looking at his 
on the, yeah, they have, they have this like really big pole. And at the no. top of the pole, there's like this kind of, it looks like a wizard staff. And there's all these little windows that light up in the sun. And I was just visualizing that as a wizard staff. But it was, it could be, it could have been, yeah, man. That was bad. So I think that the underlying theme of that that I find interesting is the reality of the job you're interviewing for, like the job description, when you go in and talk to an interviewer and they're like, oh yeah, you're going to be selling cars. And then you get the job and they're like, model cars, like the toy ones, we weren't clear. Like Uh, like the job you think you're getting versus the job you actually get. And I think that that is actually one of the things that I've heard a lot over the years in exit interviews or different things. Yeah. Like if the job just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's always really important for companies to be transparent and honest about what the job is because it's just misleading. And I feel like that is an issue that I've seen. So one of the most interesting interviews that I've been on, this was years ago, I was working at an auto manufacturer. And so I was doing a lot of interviewing for our line workers. And I remember interviewing a gentleman for just, you know, a standard line job. And I was like, okay, you know, looking at your resume, you know, looks like you left your last job by choice. You know, you know, why was that? And he said there were too many of his ex-wives that worked there. No. And I was like, oh, how many? Three. And so he was basically using his employer, find women, date them, and then marry them and then divorce them. Oh, like we do not need this gentleman to like come in here and like try and marry all the women and then like get divorced from them. He's like, I was like, this is like a dating field for him. I was like, this is not like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's not an answer I've heard before. (laughs) That is wild. Yeah. And I like the idea that there are more ex-wives out there. They just aren't currently working. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I like the idea of them maybe like banding together too. You know what I mean? (laughs) Making it work really hard for him. That's why he's (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. That's no work environment. Oh, no. Well, I don't think I've had any particularly terrible interviews over the years I mean there's certainly been ones like for myself that I I, in hindsight I see my oh I clearly could have done better at that interview (laughs) but I've gotten really comfortable with interviewing you know people for jobs and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it and I think one of the things I've started incorporating now especially since a lot of our interviews are remote due to the pandemic or they're like through zoom or webex at least for the first one or two I like to set up a 15 minute informal, just like almost like a meet and greet, or I think I'd call it an introductory call. And I don't even consider that part of, like, I just consider it like the pre-interview. And that has really made a difference in the actual, when we get into like the meat of things, that person, you know, we've had a few minutes to connect, talk a little bit about the background stuff, you know, like, oh, hey, how's, how are you doing? You know? You get a little bit more of a feel for who they are as a person. And I think it makes the actual interview a lot more comfortable. So you have a better sense of like who they are as an actual person instead of like, oh, maybe they were just nervous. Mm -hmm. And I do find that even for simpler roles, I think it takes about three times of talking to someone, whether that's virtual or in person to really get a feel of what they are like and your communication style where you can get a good idea of 
if they're going to be a good fit. So I love the idea of kind of taking that extra step to make someone comfortable connect when it is virtual, because mm-hmm. I do think that, that is a different experience than coming into the office. Back in the day, pre-pandemic, I remember if you interviewed someone or you were between people or this and that, that I would go and talk to the receptionist and see like any opinion, were they polite? Because I think that's really telling and important. The receptionist is the gatekeeper. I think if you're polite or thoughtful or not, I think that it does say a little bit about you or lends some further insight because if someone comes in for an interview and they're expecting to talk to Jamie Smith and I walk out, are they expecting a man? Are they expecting a woman? I just feel like, or maybe they think I'm too young and it's just I guess one of the things that I've experienced in my career is ageism, where it's That's like where people. Okay, good. Well, taking a word. It just sounds weird. Ageism. Yeah, when it's very blatant that they're like really working to impress someone who's older than me and that's and that's not only in interview scenarios but I'm kind of just like "Mm." yeah it's annoying I don't know and so that's why when it comes to position in a corporation I believe everybody should fully be treated the same way and so if you're going to speak to the CEO one way and you're going to speak to the receptionist a different way I don't that doesn't jive with me like I think that like you really need to be kind and respectful and communicate well regardless of what a person's role is I think that's a great point I, okay, so I want to back it up just a, a touch because I feel like this is a good question for, again, a variety of experiences. I'm someone that's, I think, mo- most often been on the side of interviewing. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't hired a lot of people yet, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah. How many interviews? Oh, that's an interesting How many question. Or issuing a hire because mm-hmm. I have been to, you know, one interview. I interviewed for a role that had 11 oh, interviews. That's so, I had that's way too And I did not receive an offer and they didn't even hire anyone to fill <gasps> the position. That's oh such a waste God. of time. And I, I think I was like, really kind of bitter about that. One. Yeah. Well, that's a huge waste of time and a tax on people interviewing. But to be honest, like it is also very taxing on the other end because oh. Absolutely. If you have a panel of people that you're trying to get to interview within the corporation, okay, so it's like, okay, we've got four people, mm-hmm. then you need to set up time because if it's if it's back, you know, pre-pandemic, you, someone's coming into the office. So they have to be back to back. So it's like, okay, we need a two hour block where these four people are available. One, two, three, four. Yeah. That's hard to do. And then this other person is coming in, taking time off for work. How many candidates do you have? Like, it just adds up so quickly. Yeah. And so- I think three. I think okay. three is like one, get your feet wet, say the right things. Are you a good fit? Do you understand what the job is? Do we, do we understand what your skills are? What two is like, let's really weed out, get it down to some of the final people, top contenders. And then I think interview three should only be with like two, between two or three people. At that point, you should pretty much know who you want to hire, mm-hmm. in my opinion. How many interviews do you think is key? To finding the right candidate? Uh, mine have been three, but I've also... Does that include the 15-minute one? Or no? Yeah, I would include really? that. Like a 15-minute okay. virtual connect intro, uh, probably a virtual first interview, and then an in-person second interview. Mm-hmm. But I also tend to... I ask for references, and I call them. Good. 
And if, if possible, I get some sort of example of their writing. So like a professional email they've written, or if they've done a report from there, even if I'm sometimes I'm hiring people straight out of school. Mm -hmm. So like a project, because I've found that professional writing ability Mm -hmm. is, um, pretty hit or miss Mm -hmm. and but it's incredibly important Mm -hmm. um so that's because you can get a feel for someone's speech and how they talk during that interview but their writing sometimes is a little bit different that's really interesting I like that idea that's a good suggestion well when you're thinking I think about how many professional business emails my team writes in a day it's Mm -hmm. you really need someone who can write professionally at least or is willing to Mm -hmm. lean into that I also, maybe this is old fashioned, but I love the old fashioned handwritten thank you card over mm-hmm. email. Man, but I love, <laughs> I love that. And I send them for every, anything I can think of professionally or personally, I like handwritten cards. And one thing we started doing is we have what's called a talent pipeline yeah. where we're not mm. actively hiring right now. And these people in our pipeline know that, mm-hmm. but we have a list of probably three or four people we've met we have some sort of connectivity with and they're done like a virtual connect with that's really proactive yeah i love that and then they might not they might their next career change might be the one that brings them back to our team i don't know yeah you know it might be six months it might be six years i have no idea but i'd rather Mm -hmm. it's hard to find people Hmm. that rather get ahead of it yeah so whether you are an interviewer or an interviewee, what are some of your favorite questions to ask? I usually ask someone why they've stayed at this company. Mm-hmm. I mean, assuming that they've been there more than a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes I can get really good feedback on whether or not they've been promoted. Yeah. Because they talk about, well, I started over here mm-hmm. and then I moved over here. So I feel like I get a good gauge on my, one of my favorite questions is to ask the either the recruiter or the hiring manager, why they've stayed at the company. And I feel like I can get some really good information on if they began in a different role, if they've switched teams because they wanted to try something new, if they've gotten a promotion, if they've received professional you know, d- development mm-hmm. and education or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that can be a really good indicator. Um, or I mean, or you, you'll get some feedback on culture. Um, and then another question that uh, has been really beneficial for me is to ask them how success is determined in this role. Smart. Very kind of upfront about mm-hmm. it. Because, and, and even like, you know, what's the review process like? Mm-hmm. You know, is there a 90-day review? I, you know, I want to be able to hit the ground running, you know, potentially with this team and know exactly uh, where to put my efforts or yeah. where to put my attention. Yeah. Um, and again, this does come from previously being a fundraiser. And so um, some organizations are only about metrics. Mm-hmm. How much money did you raise? Was it enough? And if you didn't raise enough, you're out. And that's uh, so some places can be very kind of like sales minded. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. That's what so it sounds you like. have to be pretty careful yeah. about, you know, what kind of culture you're walking into. So that's really helped me weed out places where um, it just wouldn't suit me very much. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't suit my personality. One of my favorite questions to ask people in an interview, this is not real, but I like to joke because I, people ask me that question mm. It is, what is your spirit animal? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then people are like, oh my gosh, you ask that in job interviews? No, I don't really, but, but I like to pretend. 
So the one you just said about why somebody stays or what does success look like? I just used that. So I've been in a new organization for about four months now. And that was something that I asked in each of my interviews Mm -hmm. to different people in that organization. I was like, what does success look like? What is, what, what, or I said, what advice would you give to somebody in this role? And I feel like that was super insightful because it really like, I, I know I got the offer, got the job and I know what the four people who I interviewed with, I know what they're looking for. I just straight up asked them during the interview, like, here's what, here's what I would tell this person to do. Here's how, here's how I think that person would, a person would be successful in that role. And I feel like that has really allowed me to go into the role with the right mindset. Mm-hmm. I think it's super important to do your homework before interviews. And for me, like one of the things that I was looking for, and one of the reasons that I was really attracted to the organization that I'm with currently is their core values. Mm-hmm. And it's really not just a poster on a wall. My interviews, they talked about it. They asked specific questions of me, like, give me example when you showed this behavior. And that was a core value of theirs. And so like, Yeah. And so it was like, it was just this really great way because I feel like the core values of the company are things that I really look for, value and embody. And so it was easy for me to talk about, but also knowing that like I'm working with like-minded people of those core values Mm -hmm. is it's very well suited. And I just, I really like that. And it makes me very, it makes me feel like it's a good culture. It's good people to work with, good people to work for. And so I think that's great. And so those are some of the things I really consider as an interviewee. The other key point is the fact that people kind of forget sometimes when you're interviewing, you're like, I need a job. I really want a job. You know, either if you want something new or maybe you're unemployed and you really just want something. But the interview process is two sided. This is not just a company interviewing you, asking you questions and choosing you. It's really mutual where you need to know, is this organization a good fit for me? Do they care about work-life balance? Do they care about the same things I care about? Because yeah, at the end of the day, you're not going to be happy somewhere that's not a good fit. And so I think that it's absolutely a two-way street of asking questions and deciding if it's a good fit. It's not just an organization choosing an employee. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And you know, to kind of like build off that too, it's like the difference between reading someone's resume and meeting them is the difference between like reading someone's core values on their website and actually talking. Yes. Yeah. So like, are the core values just a thing on the wall mm-hmm. and, or does those, do those teammates that you're going to be working with live them? And yeah. if, even if the answer is no, that's okay. As long as you know what you're getting into yeah. and you're aware of it, you know, maybe mm-hmm. that's not as important to you as it is with your company. Yeah. Um, that's very, very interesting. Yeah. I love that question of what does success look like? Another thing I'd recommend for anyone who is going out and considering finding a new job. If you're interviewing, ask them how they treated their, their employees during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. What did they do to support their employees or maybe not support their employees? Were there layoffs? How did you communicate? Oh yeah. They require certain things like coming back to the office or vaccinations. Um, That's just like a, a stark reality of, an example of how companies treat their employees. Yeah. And you want to know what that is when you go into it. Yes. That's a really great point. I feel better prepared now Good. to continue interviewing. <laughs> Good. On a little bit of a lighter note, maybe we'll wrap up this podcast with some of our ginger tail stories. I don't think we've gone out and wrecked any havoc lately with our ginger tails, but true. It's always, you know, always in the works. Um <laughs> 
I remember one example of one of the first times Ginger Tales really like came out. It's with my my close friend and we were camping for the weekend, which I'm not much of a camper. And uh, she's really, she loves it. And uh, there was a lot of times we were out camping for this weekend. And I think there was a moment she said, oh, I wonder what kind of tree that is. And I said, oh, well, well that's a sycamore. And she goes, oh my gosh, how did you know that? I was like, oh, my mom is an arborist. I think she's a, somewhat like a tree expert. <laughs> no, to be fair, my mom does, our mom, like, really <laughs> loves trees. And it was legit a sycamore but she's not an arborist. She, but she did know. I mean, my, our moms had taught us what different trees are, what different trees were. And then later in that same weekend, something else happened, and I was like, "Oh yeah, well, my mom, I can't remember some other na- natural thing. Like, oh yeah, well, you know, she's got a minor in horticulture or something." And then finally, at the end of the weekend, like there was an, a legit animal-related health question, and I was able to like answer. I'd be like, "Oh, we can ask my mom." she's a veterinarian <laughs> so at this point though it was like a point of pride wolf because nobody yeah. believed me oh my god <laughs> and they were also like how many degrees does your mother have yeah, what does she actually do for a living i was like no, no she's legit a veterinarian you're like, you're like yeah sure of course she is just like she's an arborist oh my gosh and I, that's one of those fond memories <laughs> i love it when i think about like my initial ginger tales with like my friends i think about a time when i was in college and I was with like a new group of friends, maybe making new friends in college. And so I was with a group of people. We were watching basketball game and we were watching it. I think we had music playing. So like the TV was on silent and the coach of the team, you know, they zoom in on the coach and he's saying all this stuff. And I was like, oh, he just said X, Y, Z, throw the ball to Mason or, you know, whatever it was. And this guy was like, oh my gosh, like, how did you know that? How did you know he said that? And I was like, oh, I, I took a lip reading class in high school. Like, that's not, didn't you ever do that? He's like, oh my gosh, like, that's crazy. And I was like, yeah, I was like, we just watch movies on mute and practice. Like, that's what I said. And so I was like, thinking this was so funny, thinking this was so funny that he believed me. So I turned to my friend who I was sitting next to and I was like, oh my gosh, I just told Bobby that I took a lip reading class in high school, like to like bring them in on the joke, like, haha, can you believe it? And they're like, no way. I've never heard of that. That's crazy. And I was like, oh, I guess they believe it too. And so I just like went with it <laughs> and then like told them later. And I was like, wow, I was like, what an odd ginger tale I just told. Yeah, it was funny. Natural thing we can learn how to do is lip read. I, mean, I think it's possible. I'm sure it's possible. I think Lots it's possible. of people know how to do it. We can learn. I feel like I don't have a good ginger tale to share, but I do have another bad job interview. Ooh, and this yeah. one ends happily. I did get the job. Okay. So I was in college and I wanted to do part-time as a pharmacy technician. And I got a job interview. I'm meeting with this nice man on Zoom. And right away, I think he was kind of like going for like the cool boss vibe mm-hmm. because he goes, okay, you know, I just want to kick things off. Tell me a joke. Oh, God. And all I could think of were like dumb blonde jokes. And I, so I just kind of went, oh, uh, oh, man, you know, you really put me on the spot here and just kind of like waved it off. Yeah. And so he was like, oh, okay, like, no worries. Next, we're going to do a math problem. And you're going to, you're going to like add this, add this, divide it, and then multiply it. And he's like, I need to know that you can do math 
um, when you're at the register. And I got it wrong. So then he's like, so that wasn't right. <laughs> oh, okay. So he talks me through it. And it's like, so you, you add that and then, and then you carry the two or whatever. And we got there, but I was like beat red. But so um, to this day, very real fear of doing math on the spot. Oh, so I get so nervous. Experience. But I got the job. Love that. He really needed someone. Like, oh, he yeah. really needed someone. And he's like, you know what? We'll give her a calculator. It'll be fine. Oh my gosh. She's not expected to tell jokes at the register. No, no, no jokes needed. So what's funny is I have been in an odd number of scenarios where it's like you need a joke. It's like you just need a couple jokes in your pocket. Mm. And I don't mean like an actual joke, joke book <laughs> in your pocket, Uncle Neil. But <laughs> but you need like I don't know, like mm-hmm. things come up, scenarios come up, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like what's something that I can say that that's appropriate? That's an appropriate Anybody joke. would laugh. Yeah. You gotta have some of those. I have like a probably like three or four yeah. that you guys now have all heard probably may, way too many times. Yeah. But just in case, you know, they're not like explicit, but they're yeah. you know, adult. Funny. So <laughs> uh, nope. for those of you who haven't heard it yet, I'll I'll ask. So uh two wind turbines were in a field and one turns to the other and says what kind of music do you like and the the other one says i'm a big heavy metal fan she had the biggest smile (laughs) thanks for joining us on this episode of sisters of the apocalypse If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. And don't forget, live like there's no tomorrow. Thanks for listening.